0: Pastor News and Notes. Thank you, Brenda and Buddy, great golden retriever. Good to see you guys today. Hope you're having a, a good weekend. You getting refreshed in God today so far? Yes. I know I am. Really. Love God and love his presence. Love that he gave us the gift of life. Love that he gave us the gift of life. Love that he gave us the gift of life, gift of life to get to live in America. USA is a great place to live, and I love it that he's given you eternal life, and me eternal life. I love that the Bible says over you, and over me, and over others, he will be found by those who are not even looking for him, and uh, he who began a good work within you will continue it until the day of Christ, and I feel like I'm just riding a wave, I'm surfing a wave of God's grace. I feel like God has profoundly spoken and called us to love Him and walk with Him and grow in Him. And that wave of His grace is stirring us. His grace is undeserved favor. And I mentioned recently I've been very uh, stirred by this, this uh, reality that if we are expecting the if we're expecting the favor of God because we've done something then it's not undeserved favor. Grace is undeserved favor. It's G-R-A-S-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. Because we're blood-bought, there is this profound desire of God to flood you with his fire and his revival glory and his resurrection presence and just the taste of what you've already known of the good things of heaven the heaven realm this is just the beginning of what you will know eternally but it also is something he wants to give you an appetizer for in your now because there's so much more the more and more factor is huge when we're talking about this wave of revival fire that is flooding you not just in the moment but into your future and and the growth of God into your future stirring you and stirring me to have a um, an increase of affection for the things above as we set our affections on the things above and every single time we make a decision to choose kingdom god floods us with his fire i'm having a little bit of trouble with my kickstarter on my brand new 2000 for me brand new 2015 yamaha sr 400 it's a retro and has a kickstarter but i know when i get it right it's going to kick into action is going to be fired up and I'm going to roar around Medford like nobody's business. But but it's important that it starts before that happens. So I'm going to work on that this afternoon. But but we have decisions to make. And every time we choose kingdom, we have an electric starter, not a Kickstarter. We choose kingdom, we, we turn the ignition on and God floods our engine into fire. Uh, A fiery uh, power, and we can fly. Now, one of the things we've been talking about recently in in some teachings is the concept that's uh, been around in theological circles for some time in church life, called the means of grace. God has this undeserved favor for us that is not just His gracious attitude towards us, but a power working in our lives, and then. unstoppable, relentless power that he is working in our lives, uh, conforming us glory to glory into the image of Jesus and stirring us with gifts and the fruits of the spirit. And, um, but grace has means. The freeway of God's grace that he wants us to fly in our convertible or motorcycle, (laughs) the freeway of his undeserved favor has means it has on-ramps and it's 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 really important uh, for us to identify on-ramps to identify means of grace historically david mentioned this historically the roman catholic church has had seven means of grace seven sacraments and some of them are really biblical actually i looked at them i said wow you know marriage that's that's sacrament you bet I've, god has really worked in my life in my marriage i I think God's worked in Brenda's life through her marriage, too. <laughs> but the notion of penance is not biblical. That's, a, that's not a biblical means of, that's not in the Bible. It's free grace, we don't have to earn it. But the reformers came along and they, they said, well, you know, really, there's, there's really just three means of grace predominantly. There's uh, baptism, and there's the Lord's table, and there's preaching. And boy, all those are means of grace. But you know what? David mentioned that there's more. Um, um, I mentioned, I talked about the body of Christ and the power of communion, you know, towards us. And then Steve Philo talked about the means of grace being repentance. And I wonder if you would agree with uh, Steve and with the Bible <laughs> that repentance is an awesome means of grace to us, a means of his, an on ramp to his glorious freeway of mercy and grace. And David talked about spiritual gifts, yeah. And you know what? The, there's actually quite a quite a nice list in the Bible if you if you look at it. And as you read the Bible, it's always be looking for more. There's always more means of grace. And but but uh, we're going to talk today about daily devotions as being in a means a means of grace. And I want to just mention this this uh, titled here, an incredible on ramp to the freeway of God's grace. Daily devotions. I don't know if you. Uh, what you, what you do with daily devotions. I um, have been reticent to talk about daily devotions very much because there is a temptation for us to be focused on our God time in the morning and put that in a category and then live out the rest of the day out of our own strength, out of our own life, out of our own will. And I've, I've been far more interested, and I think the Bible is far more interested, in, and God's far more interested in us recognizing that a life of devotion is more important than a devotional life. A life of devotion where we live out of the immediacy of God in a continual sort of way. But you know, I've been thinking about this lately, and, I've, and I think that you can really have both. It can be a win-win. Sometimes, in fact, you see it in the Bible with Daniel Praying three times in a regular way. You see uh, Jacob getting, getting up in the morning at at, uh, at Bethel. And uh, a place called Bethel. And and offering sacrifice, which is a pointer to Jesus and his blood. And worshiping God. And you see Job praying in the morning every day. You see, you see the Psalms saying, I'll seek you in the morning. And... I, and there's such a, um, a variety of, of expressions of daily devotions. I mean, you can use a devotional book or you can listen to audio Bible or, or, or someone teaching from the word of God. Um, you, can, you can spend five minutes with daily devotions or you can spend 50 minutes with daily devotions or more. I know Miguel often gets up in the middle of the night and has his daily devotions, speaking in tongues in the middle of the night. It's kind of a fun thing that Miguel uh, operates in very consistently. And and I I like to get up in the morning. The first thing I like to do is get a cup of coffee and and listen to some some of my favorite Bible teachers and listen to the audio Bible and then spend some time in worship and with worship music and praise and thankfulness and meditate on the things of the kingdom and start my day that way so i mean you know i would say that like my doctor said when he told me i need to exercise more some years ago i said well what should i do and he said "Well, what do you enjoy doing whatever you enjoy doing for exercise do more of that and i'm thinking to myself you know with uh, your devotional life that if you could just ask yourself well what is really working for me just do more of that and if you skip a happen to skip or miss for one reason or another, just go ahead and forgive yourself and just start again tomorrow. But don't don't neglect neglect God for the rest of the day because you know it is a devotional life we're after. We're recognizing that success is defined by sharing all of our life with God. And um, Apostle Paul talks about praying without ceasing. And I know what I've tried to do in my life is to live out a life constantly of uh, asking God for stuff through the, just asking him up for all kinds of stuff. And I, I, I want to live with a sense of awe and wonder and astonishment and praising him when something like that comes. I know I was asking God the other day. I was feeling a little bit, uh, wow, my, my new motorcycle is going to not do to come to show up uh, being shipped from Ohio until next Friday, next week. And I know Murphy's Law kicks in and everything costs more and everything takes longer you know but then i then i asked god you know what? you don't operate by murphy's murphy's law so i pray not only it'll come on time but it'll become early it'll come early and it, it, it i found out i got a call and it's, and, and it's not coming next week it came last night so i mean you know it was like a window into the personality of god it wasn't like i did anything spiritual to to uh earn that it, it had nothing to do with um me um Praying for you. Actually, you weren't in my mind, <laughs> but it was just like, "Hey, God, you got a lot of power. How about giving, How about doing something? How, Dad? You know." And I remember when I was a young dad. I remember making a declaration to myself. I don't even know if I told Brenda about this. I may have, but I remember covenning with myself. Not, it wasn't a, a oath to God or anything, but I covenanted with myself. That when my four little kids asked me for something, I was going to say yes twice as much as I said no. I I, I was—I knew I had to say no from time to time, but I was going to say yes twice as much as I said no. And you know, if I can do that, God, when God gives you something special, just because He's nice, that's—that's just a window into His into His goodness that should be cherished. Should be should just take a few moments to think about that and to uh, savor that and let your heart be filled with gladness about that. A couple weeks ago, I we had Charity and uh, her family here, and she has seven-year-old Xavier and five-year-old Dommy. and. I've been talking to Luke since he was about three about taking him fishing when he was five. So Luke and I, other day Luke said to me, Grandpa, I'm five years old. It's time to go fishing. <laughs> so John and Luke and I went fishing. And I, you know, I said, God, let Luke catch his first fish. And sure enough, he caught his first little bluegill out at uh, Willow Lake. And then... Uh, when uh, I took seven year old Xavier and five year old Dom- Dominic uh, out with their dad out to Lost Creek Lake, I said, God, what you did for Luke, we you do for them? And sure enough, each of those boys caught their first trout that day. And I was just, uh, my friends, we're busy. We've got a lot going on in our lives, we've got a lot of uh, activities, we've got a lot of responsibilities. Everybody's a little bit behind in what they should be doing, you know, we all are in the journey of our life, and I'm just making an appeal here that don't miss out on the special things that God gives you, just because he's kind, okay? Watch for those. Excuse me, this has been bothering me all morning. This is- Obsessive, compulsive. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Now for my first talking point. A daily habit of reading the New Testament... Is an incredible on ramp to the freeway of God's grace and God's mercy and God's favor. Here's the verse we're looking at 1 Corinthians, and, and uh, we'll be spending several more weeks in 1 Corinthians because there's several more on ramps to God's freeway of grace and favor in 1 Corinthians, but we're going to start. I'm going to start with chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 because it talks about grace and favor that we're blessed with from, the, from the, the Apostle Paul being an apostle, doing what he does best, being an apostle. And it also refers to prayer. And we think traditionally of daily devotions, including prayer and, and the Bible reading. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother, to the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pause on that phrase, grace to you and peace from God. The Apostle Paul, with his apostolic authority, and he has a Five-fold ministry of being an apostle like Miguel does, like Bill Johnson does, like Marty Peterson does, and, and, uh, and like your favorite TV preacher might be besides me. I'm not an apostle. <laughs> I'm on TV once in a while. But, but I do have a apostolic authority every time I preach Paul's teaching. And the early church devoted themselves to the apostolic, apostolic teaching and what is the apostolic teaching? It's what the apostles taught. And that is a means of God's favor to us, an avenue of blessing to us. And the Corinthian church here is being reminded that Paul is an apostle because one of their problems, he, has, he corrects 10 or 11 problems over the course of this letter. It's a very personal letter, but he's very correcting of them in 1 Corinthians. One of the things that he's correcting is that they have wandered from respect and honor of his apostolic authority. Other preachers have come in, and they're saying, oh, no, Paul's okay, but he's, you know. And they were, there was even divisions happening, and people were saying, well, I follow Peter, and I follow Apollos. Well, I, I saw Jesus preach, so I'm just remembering back when I'm just a Christ follower and others are saying well, I, I i follow i follow paul and and the apostle paul later on is saying here is christ divided what 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 are you guys doing you guys are crazy and he's trying to jolt them into right relationship with god and in fact my friends he does he corrects several different different behaviors that they have backslid into But it's really interesting that he doesn't do it by, doesn't correct them by just saying, shame on you, behave yourself. He does it by imparting to them through his authority as an apostle truth that is so wonderful that their world is rocked and the behavior is designed, uh, the the teaching is designed just to to shake us out of uh, those behaviors and those mindsets that go along with those behaviors that are toxic. And what had happened with the, in this this metropolitan city of Corinth, it's like a New York or Los Angeles or London of the ancient Near East, a lot of commerce, north, south, east, and west. It's a greatly diversified city. Very, very toxic, very sinful. The devil really had his hand on uh, people in Corinth. There was uh, temples, uh, with Thousand prostitutes at the top of this one hill. There was just all this. It's just everything you might imagine. The toxicity of sin. The devil was really happy about Corinth before Paul came. And the devil really is happy about our world before Christ comes in and changes things. The, devil, the devil's main theology is the wages of sin is death. Hooray! Period. He wants it there to be a period at the end of that. The wages of sin is death. That's it. And then Jesus Christ comes on the scene. And it's, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and it's this theme, this grand theme, this epic truth that sets us free. This belt of truth that we see in Ephesians chapter 6, that it defeats the enemy, is, uh, is the reality of who we are in Christ that shakes these behaviors off of us. And it's the apostolic teaching that happens in 1 Corinthians and other places that, um, that does this shaking. It's impossible for us to behave inconsistent with our self-image. And Jesus wants us to align our self-image with what he says about us in his word. And when we do that through daily devotions, through exposing our minds to, to his word, we experience the word, capital W, Jesus Christ. And... Uh, Let's go, on, let's go over to the, uh, that quote, to authentically experience the word, by me. <laughs> to authentically experience the word is to experience Jesus, and to authentically experience Jesus is to experience the word. Dan Mickelson, there it is. Let's just leave that up there for a while. I kind of like the look of that one. <laughs> You know, there are people that study the Bible because of a religious spirit, think they study that in fact Jesus confronted them. He said, You guys search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life, he tells the Pharisees. But they are the scriptures that speak of me. Yeah. But when you have an authentic heart before Christ and you look at the doctrines of the New Testament and the way the New Testament is illustrated in the Old Testament, when you hear good preaching about like this this morning, and Anything you might listen to from your favorite, uh, on your favorite podcast from somebody teaching the word of God, we all have our different tastes and our different, what stirs us, and, and we have access to so many different amazing uh, teaching opportunities of the word of God. There is vitality and life that floods into us, and that life is Jesus Christ himself. Cognitively, we separate scripture from the resurrected person of Christ. That's a, we're human, there's a cognitive dimension there. But I even think of, I even think of uh, quantum physics, there's stuff about our world we don't understand. And I don't understand fully what it means that Jesus is the word and the, and the Bible is the word all at the same time. But I do know this, when I um, humbly approach the Bible, and humbly approach teaching, and I might just put this, in, put this in here parenthetically that when you come to attend to the word to, uh, in preaching, when we come to worship and then hear the, the scriptures being taught by, by our team members, that I hope that you don't stay up too late on Saturday nights. I hope you anticipate and that you come prayed up and prepared. Have your heart, have a, have fertile, your heart be a, a fertile place for the word of God. I hope that you have been a ministering person all week because it's people that are ministering through the week in worship to God and in ministry to others through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. This kind of person, you can just say, Mary had a little lamb, and they'll get blessed because they'll think, wow, Mary did have a little lamb. You know what I mean? They see see the word of God in every, every, no matter what's being shared. Jonathan Edwards preached in a monotone in the first great awakening and people were falling on the ground all over the place and calling out in God, to God. It says there, there was something going on that was uh, beautiful in God in, the, in that time and there isn't with us. Okay. Jesus actually gives us a warning in the parable of the sower I often think of the parable of the sower as being for pre-believers hearing the gospel and it does have that application. But the parable of the sower, Jesus said the sower sows the word and some is, sometimes the word is snatched out of the air by the birds, sometimes it's on rocky soil, sometimes it's on thorny soil and sometimes it's on good soil. But I think it's very, very important for us to recognize that the parable of the sower is for you and me. That there is a word, that Jesus Christ has a present word, has a present word for us, linked to the linked to the teaching, the apostolic teaching of the New Testament, that we can, because of the cares of this world, because of because of the the enemy at work, because of uh, our our hardness of our hearts due to disappointment, we can miss out. And there's a call to be humbly attentive to hearing the word with um, faith, to to have our hearts be soil for the word. And I want to always approach my own personal study and reading of the Bible and listening to preaching with a heart that that is good soil for that word. So it will spring up and produce 30, 60, 100 fold what was sown, that's. Our responsibility to choose to respect and honor the word of God. The Corinthians had said, you know what? Paul's just not the guy anymore. I mean, he gave us a good start, but man, we're moving on to better things. But Paul's reminding them, even by using the, he said, Paul and Sosthenes. You know who Sosthenes was? I, I, I uh, thought you'd want to know. <laughs> when Paul came to Corinth in the first place, started preaching the gospel in the synagogue, some people believed, some didn't. And there was uh, um, some rejection. He said, you know what, I'm sorry, this isn't working. So what he did is he went next door to a house. Must have been a pretty big house. And he preached there. So they're worshiping, singing psalms, and Paul's preaching the gospel. And Crispus, the guy's... House's, his name was Justice. And, uh, and uh, Crispus, the synagogue ruler, who did not believe at first, had to hear these Christians next door preaching all day long and singing worship and getting healed and having expressions of supernatural joy. And here he is reading Old Testament every day. And you know what? What am I going to do about that? So he says, forget this. And he went next door and got good saved. That's Crispus. So Sosthenes took over as synagogue ruler. And over the course of the next few months, as Paul was preaching, Sosthenes had the same experience. And he said, I'm out of here. I mean, the law, has got a lot of good stuff in it, but you know what? I'm going with Crispus, man. This is where the action is over here, Jesus. And this is the same Sosthenes that, that's working with Paul over in Ephesus, writing back 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. Paul and Sosthenes. You know, we just read Paul and Sosthenes, but they're reading, whoa, our good friend Sosthenes with Paul, and this is coming from him too? Let's listen up. There's, a, there's just this wonderful thing going on there in uh, Sosthenes' life. I love that. So... The word of God, the apostolic teaching, first of all, speaks to our identity in all kinds of different ways. Satchel Page, uh, an African-American Major League Baseball player in the early 1900s, says this about identity. We have that, Satchel Page you got to be who you is, because if you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't. Let's read that again. Read it with me out loud, okay? Ready? you got to be who you is, because if you ain't who you is, then you is who you ain't. So be who you really is. One of the things I like to do in part of my daily devotions is to identify things that are negative in my emotions that feel true, and I write them down. Recently, I wrote down three things. not going to tell you what they are, so don't try to guess. No no fair trying to get it through a word of knowledge, either. I wrote down three things that feel true, I wrote them down, negative things that feel true. Then I said, God, what do you say about each of those things? And I wrote down underneath them what God says. And I'll tell you what, God's way, way more positive than those things. (laughs) And then I started praising and thanking God for those things. And that that negative feeling just kind of evaporated. The devil is a father of lies. And his first step is to try to get us to believe lies. And sometimes things feel true that are not true. And sometimes we need to identify them as part of our hunger and thirst for the truth that sets us free. And the New Testament truth sets us free. Secondly, a daily habit of calling on the name of Jesus is an incredible on-ramp to the freeway of God's grace and favor. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 2, to the church of God who is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ. Now, let's look at that identity thing he's doing there. You're sanctified in Christ, means you're made holy by the blood of Christ. Other place, he says you are holy and blameless in his sight. Okay? Sanctified, the Greek word is you're special. You're like a special, God's special. I think of a special coffee cup that no one else better ever use. <laughs> you're special, you're sanctified in Christ. You're called to be saints. And I'm never going to change the subject about the fact that we're all saints. Over sixty times the Bible says you are saints. You're holy ones. That means you're blameless in the sight. You're you are holy now, positionally, legally before God. With all, This is the verse I wanted to especially focus. With all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ. You are in your, your essence, church at Corinth. Even though there's a lot of Corinth still in you that we're going to get out over the course of this letter. You are those who God has put a desire within you to call on the name of Jesus Christ, to pray. You are those who pray. And it's not just for intercessors. It's for all. And it's not just for when you're in church. It's every place. And it starts with a daily devotional time, five minutes or 50 minutes. I don't know what your time is. Whatever works for you in the course of your life, God's really happy with it. You're calling on the name of Jesus. You're praying. I want to mention from this passage and from a few other places as we finish up today. We call on the name of the Lord when we are alone or with somebody. That's when you call on the name of the Lord. When you're alone or when you're with somebody. I had a relative once that said they only drank when they're alone or with somebody. That's pretty pathetic but we drink of the Holy Spirit and pray to God when we're alone or when we're with somebody. That's, that's who we are. That's our DNA. We don't categorize it just for a daily devotions or for church. With all who in every place, we're with, when we're with other people, with all who in every place. Secondly, we call on the name of the Lord out of desperation and worry. That's okay. Don't, don't be bad. At, don't be mad at yourself. Don't let anyone guilt, guilt, guilt you or shame you about calling on God when you're worried. I had a heard a preacher once say that some people worry out loud and call it prayer. Well, you know what? I'm for worrying out loud and calling it prayer. I mean, there's a place when you don't even feel close to God because you're so overwhelmed by an anxiety, and God understands that. And I love what Graham Cook says. God loves you. You're praying so much that he even loves your unanointed prayers. (laughs) I mean, think about that a second. Your kids, your grandkids, do you only like their talking when they're anointed in the Spirit? Now, I like it when they're anointed in the Spirit. But I like them anyway. I like communicating with them, even when they're not anointed in the Spirit. Well, you might not feel profoundly in the Spirit when when you get a call in a staff meeting, as I did some years ago, that your daughter's been in a car crash at a traffic light, and that they took several people away in the hospital in an ambulance, but she wasn't one of them. That could mean one of two things. And I tell you what, I called out of God, called on God out of desperation. And that's one of several times. Don't just know that that is a you call on God when you're in trouble. James says that. Anybody in trouble, let him pray. There's some people within earshot of me that you're in trouble right now, and this is a time. This is a good time to call on Jesus to be saved. So many of us in this auditorium, so many of us listening right now on TV, at channel 11 on, at 11, or on the YouTube channel, we've come to Christ when we were in trouble. We got born from above when we were in trouble, and God said he, that He gave it that God turns the valley of Acor, the valley of despair, into a door of hope. And that trouble became salvation for us. And this, you might be in trouble today or might be in trouble sometime in the future, but today is the day of salvation. So call on Jesus to save you and your spirit will be reborn. Your spirit's dead and it'll come alive. I'm gonna give you a chance in a few minutes to do that. God loves even unanointed prayers. Sarah and I, my oldest daughter, in the mid-1980s, went out to get some firewood at the beach because we heated our home mostly from our fireplace and we were out of wood. And on the way, Sarah and I prayed, God, help us to find some good firewood. And when we got to the beach, there was a a pallet of firewood on the beach. Sarah was quite impressed, as was I. It was a sign and a wonder. Dry firewood on a pallet. It must have come off some ship. I don't know what. God might have just said, okay. I don't know. But I will never forget Sarah's question to me. She's about, I don't know, six. Daddy, would the firewood... Would the firewood have been there if we hadn't prayed? And I answered her in the words of C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. I said, Sarah, Chronicles of Narnia. Sarah, we never know what might have been. I don't know if she remembers that, but I, I I'll always remember that. I love living in awe and astonishment before God. I actually make a list. I've told you I make a list of things that have... Three grandsons fishing, three trout. It's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Motorcycle's supposed to come next week. Comes last night. It's on my list. It's going to be on my list. I haven't written it down yet. Stuff that God does to give me little glimpse into the window of his personality goes on my list. And I review my list of signs, wonders, awe, inspirations. Okay, let's land this. We call in the name of the Lord out of the Holy Spirit's leading. He doesn't just like unanointed prayers. He likes anointed prayers. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 6 says, pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. Holy Spirit can lead us in all kinds of prayers, including speaking in tongues prayers. Paul prayed prayers according to the Spirit. We see some of them in the New Testament. Kathy, Kathy uh, Kroll had a vision the other day, shared it with me, about prayer. I knew I was preaching on this. And I said, okay, God, what are you saying? She said, recently I woke up with a powerful picture. After church, some of us gathered in a large room to pray. There are two groups. One is a small women's group where I teach a young girl how to use a crossbow You know, dreams. (laughs) As we pray, we become aware of a large men's prayer group busy at the other end of the room. They are loud, fierce, and fearless men covering each other with prayer. They huddle close and point their large, heavy rifles and crossbows up into the air in many directions around them. They're clothed in helmets. Their troop looks for all the world like a bronze military victor history sculpture. And a jazz style violin plays in the background. Of course. <laughs> Her husband plays the, the violin so well. Gary does. And then she, she finishes it. These men are not letting the world put them down. They knew they are effective in the kingdom of God. They know we need them to be praying. They win souls. They protect their families. They change nations. Men at prayer may they grow in strength and numbers. And my friends, we conclude with a I think a 2 or 3 minute testimony of one man, Stephen Smith, who was has I been was. revolutionized by the grace of daily devotions. Stephen. I was listening
1: to a sharing from a, a missionary who, uh, a um, Cambridge, Cambridge-educated missionary who went to Taiwan in the early 1970s and he said that the daily quiet time was the key to a successful uh, a successful Christian life. So he had shared about what the habits of Jesus were. That Jesus took time away to get alone with the father. And so from that conviction, from his just a simple sharing, I said, I'm gonna go ahead and try it. That to get fueled up every morning, to make it into a routine. And so I I started doing that and his model was to get set aside a time in the morning. It doesn't matter how long it is, but make a routine. Make a decision in your mind that, it's, that God's Word and His presence is so important to fuel you up during the day to set aside time. And the morning is better. Uh, the Bible talks about setting aside your first fruits. Well, the morning is the first part of your time. And I think that God will give you an extra blessing. It may not even be a full chapter a day or part of a day. But I would sit with my, with my, with my Bible and I have a notebook and I would read. And I would read the passage and I would pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open up God's Word to have treasures of what he was saying to me that day and I would after I would read it I would write down important things that God was speaking to me and sometimes I'd even write down uh, just a passage and that would fuel me for the for the day and I would just feel God's presence so much more powerful during the day or sometimes as I wrote down a scripture, I would be able to share with someone in my own family. Spending time with God and and taking in his, his word, the scriptures, it's like a compound interest. A lot of us have an IRA or a 401k or we have some kind of investment and we don't think about it, but we put in money over time and then over the years it builds up. It's compound interest and we realize, wow, we have a fortune there that was made because we made these little, small investments over time. Well, God's word is just the same.
2: I just have a quick word I wanna share. After I gave the uh, word of knowledge about God speaking to someone who needs to surrender, needs to um, quit being in the driver's seat of their life, um, Marty met me in the back, and she said, Brenda, during the prayer time in the morning, we were over in there, and we sing in the spirit. We sing in the spirit, not in words. But she said, all morning long, I kept hearing um, I Surrender All, that song, I Surrender All, All to Thee, My Precious Savior. You know that. And she said, she was asking the Lord, is that something I'm supposed to do something with? What, what, what's that about God? And she didn't feel any direction, but she said, as soon as I got up and started saying someone uh, doesn't have the fear of God in their heart and they need to stop messing around. She said, that's what it's for. That's what it's for. And so she told me that. So I just want to say to whoever that was, if you're messing around, not having the fear of God in your heart, here's one more time that's God saying, I surrender all, do it today. So thank you. Thank you, Marty.
0: Right. Thank you. Let's stand up. You close your eyes and pray with me. Our TV program is watched from Grants Pass in the north to Wairika in the south, from Plymouth Falls in the east to Brookings in the west. Over 250 people watching right now hearing this plus those that are here and those joining on YouTube. could be you're in the audience today and this is your day. Or at home, this is your day. We declare over the fires that you're, you'll give great rescue stories out of the fires going on right now, God. There'll be great deliverances. And we declare over everyone that's hearing my voice right now, that no one will be lost, that no one will make a decision to harden their heart, and then even perhaps go into eternity with a hardened heart against Christ. What a sadness. With our eyes uh, closed, our heads bowed, If I'm not going to call you up front or anything, but if you're identifying with that word that was Brenda shared. Those at home, own it. Those here, own it. If you, you just want to say, you just want to let me know, Dan, that's me, and I'm I'm making that change right now between me and Jesus in my heart. Will you raise your hand up? Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. In the back. Anyone else? thank you we have three people in the audience here besides those that are at home so for their sake for all of our sakes pray this after me short prayer but potent dear lord jesus i call upon you to save me from death and hell right now i turn from my sins I receive you as my savior. I receive your favor. Your undeserved favor. Your grace right now. In Jesus' name, amen. For you three here, for those at home, tell someone today that you did that. Tell that person that's been praying for you. Tell that Christian friend you respect. If You don't have a Christian friend you respect? Call Brenda. she's respectable. <laughs> call us our, our number on, on our website. We're glad to get in touch with you and disciple you into greater ex- experiences of joy unspeakable and full of glory, which is your destiny in Christ. As for all of us here, have at it avenues of undeserved favor. Use them, choose them, and enjoy the grace of God. His smile is on you. We love you. Have a great rest of your day. Amen.